You're listening to another episode of the Zag Actor Sob here. Excited to be joined by 2020 NLC's Antonio fellow Leroy Adams is here. Two topics we're touching base with him on today. You're going to want to hear them both. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Leroy. Definitely interesting being in the 2020 class, I imagine, right? Because you got a little bit of time in person and then the fellows group went virtual and we've pretty much been virtual ever since. Looking back now on that experience, what do you mostly remember? Uh, um, you know, one, I'll just give uh, amazing kudos um, to my class, to that cohort and, and to the uh, San Antonio team that led us. Uh, it, was a, it was a very smooth transition um, going to an online platform. Uh, personally, you know, difficult for all of us, of course. Uh, we, we certainly enjoyed the in-person engagement and all of the benefits that that offered. But I, you know, can't say enough about how um, our class and, again, our leadership team uh, very quickly and effectively made that transition to um, a digital institute. You know, one of the, the things that I know I've heard from the 2020 class out here where I am in, in Los Angeles is they definitely appreciated having having that peer group to, to experience something really challenging together with, and, and that support system was was really vital. I know one of the things you've been working on in the past few months is leading conversations on, on Instagram and Facebook around this idea of the concept of healing is a legacy. Tell folks a little bit more about what you're doing there. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think, um, you know, the experiences of 2020 um, sort of afforded many people was really thinking about uh, very deeply about your own personal uh, mental and emotional health. And that topic uh, really resonated throughout the Black community. And so having conversations with other Black men about some of the things that, you know, we have been experiencing for quite a long time, but, you know, we didn't give that focus to that mental and emotional health because we were so busy doing so many other things, right? Going to school, trying to build a business, trying to create and do things for our families and communities. Um, very seldomly did we take a step back and, and, and sort of analyze our mental and emotional health and even not recognizing that not doing that work does show up and manifests itself in other ways in our relationships and you know how we uh, approach the world and present ourselves to the world. And so uh, halfway through 2020, I started to give more consideration to my own mental and emotional health, even started therapy, uh, even started family therapy. And then, you know, going through that process, you know, I wanted to figure out, well, how do you how do you continue to build generational wealth, right? Buy, buy a home, start a business, do all of the, the creative things that I want to do while also taking care of myself mentally and emotionally and then be able to pass down that sort of culture to the next generation. Um, and so healing is a legacy is recognizing that we are supposed to uh, build wealth. We are supposed to start businesses. We are supposed to be, you know, entrepreneurs and, and, and thrive. But a part of that has to be us taking care of ourselves mentally and emotionally and then passing that behavior down to our kids and our grandkids and so on and so forth. Uh, for a long time, mental wellness and has sort of been a, a stigma, if you will, a very taboo conversation within the Black community. And so I'm loving now to see more Black people, more Black men having these conversations, being much more intentional about their own mental and emotional wealth and understanding that passing that down to the next generation has ramifications, can have positive ramifications for generations to come. So healing is a legacy is essentially build wealth, 
but also build your emotional and mental wealth and pass both of those elements down. Yeah, it's a, it's a great frame for it. And I was curious if you found that having this idea of, of passing down, you know, the, the, the traits and attributes and, and skills of mental health, has that unlocked a lot of uh, enthusiasm for, for this topic from, from folks that you're, you're, you're talking to? Has it, uh, are you still running into some of the same uh, challenges of maybe trying to convince folks to pursue mental health in a more consistent way? No, the, the response has been amazing. Um, you know, I've had several men uh, reach out to me, even women reach out to me and, and, and sort of continue to encourage me um, to share my own journey and to create more stories and content around this concept of healing as a legacy. Um, it's been interesting to talk to a lot of men who, you know, they themselves are not there yet, but they were they were looking for that sort of motivation, if you will, that sort of, uh, how do I do it? And, and, you know, watching me share my own story on these very, these very public platforms has motivated them uh, to start their own journeys. Um, and then it, the interesting thing from, you know, uh, their partner's perspective is, you know, it, it was very difficult for me to have this conversation with my husband or my boyfriend has been so, you know, uh, closed, if you will. And so please continue to encourage them to open <laughs> up, to share these stories and to share with me how they're feeling so I can, you know, learn how to support them and so that we can thrive together. Um, so it's it's been a remarkable uh, response. But e even within that, one thing that I'm having to learn is, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So as much as I want to continue and I will continue to share this, uh, you know, this, this concept of healing as a legacy, there are moments where I have to take a step back and, and remember that I am still myself going through my own journey. And I, there are times where I have to prioritize my own healing before I can step out into the world and, and, and bring this concept to other people. That's what I was going to ask. Is this work a passion project only? Is it a full-time job? Is it potentially going to be a full-time job, kind of being out there and and and, and encouraging people to, to pursue uh, this on behalf of their own mental health? How would you describe kind of where it sits in your life right now? Yeah, right now, I, you know, when I do anything, I, I try my best to learn this subject as deeply as possible um, so that I know that I'm providing quality information and content to people um, so I, I would say it's it's a bit of a passion project because this is something I am very deeply passionate about, right? Mental and emotional wellness uh, within the Black community. But it's also something that is evolving into sort of a part-time, you know, uh, project or, or job, if you will. Um, and, and, and within that takes study, it takes research, it takes patience to learn this, this subject, to learn how it impacts me and to learn how it impacts other people. And to take all of that and refine this content, refine this message, and then be able to deliver a very refined quality product that people themselves can pick up and you know apply to their own lives. When we go back with Leeway, we'll talk more about some of the other things he's working on. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Leroy, something else I was curious about, you know, for those that don't know, NLC does something each year called Spark Talks, which are kind of like mini TED Talks. Um, so a chance for folks to speak about a topic that's exciting to them, kind of make a call to action to people. And and one of the, the Spark Talk um, kind of pitches you were working on last year was study abroad programs for, for underrepresented students. I, I was curious how you got on that topic. Was that something that you got a chance to do in, in your own life? And so you're, you're trying to maybe push that opportunity for 
others? Give me some of the background there. Yeah, uh, when I was in college, uh, I was a junior at the University of Houston downtown, and I'm walking the hallway one day and I see a poster for uh, a study abroad trip to Taiwan. Mm. And at the time, you know, I had this interest of just, you know, seeing what else was out there, but it, my mind didn't even, you know, sort of jump to what's out in terms of the other parts of the world. Like I'm thinking what's out there beyond Houston, right? But I saw this and it was a for a creative writing class and I just jumped on it. Um, and so I went to Taiwan and it just blew my mind. You know, it, it, it could forever changed the way that I looked at myself and the way that I looked at the world. But within that program, I noticed that um, I was one of two black students. And then even just being abroad and the reception that I got from Taiwanese people, you know, it was it was as if they it was the first time they had actually saw a black person. Um, and so you take that and then uh, shortly after I graduated, I went into the Peace Corps and I served in Ethiopia. It was a similar experience. You know, it was me and about seven other black volunteers and a group of 70. Mm. And here I am in Ethiopia in a black country. Right. And uh, the, the locals are shocked to see me. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm having these experiences and, I, and I'm having conversations with expats, diplomats, fellow travelers. And the one thing that was consistent amongst their story was that they all started through a study abroad program. That, that was their introduction to the greater world. And so when I came back and I'm looking at these university pro study abroad programs, I'm noticing that there's not a lot of representation from the black and Hispanic uh, community. You know, I think um, in 2017, the Open Doors Report, this uh, Institute for International Education, found that only 5.9% of students studying abroad between 2015 and 2016 identified as black. You know, most of the study abroad participants were white or female. And so I, I, I want to continue to work with uh, university study abroad programs to, to figure out, like, how do we remove some of these barriers, the financial barriers, right, the family, the access, and just the awareness of these study abroad opportunities and, and how they can contribute to having a global perspective and an international experience, which then contributes to having a better academic performance, job perspectives, and overall wellness. And so... Um, you know, for me, uh, I, I think it would be, uh, you know, if we, if we sort of reimagine how tuition is, is, is used to further or advance a student's education, I would love to see where a bulk of that tuition that students are paying is going towards a study abroad program where the students don't have to concern themselves with trying to figure out how to pay for it anymore. If you're paying $40,000 in tuition... <laughs> What does it look like for a university to take three, five thousand dollars of that, and boom, here is that money for the study abroad program. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. And I know this is translated a little bit into a podcast that you have, and, and here at the Zag, we always like to amplify <laughs> other podcasts, right? Podcasts on podcasts on podcasts. But yeah, give folks a scoop on where they can find that and what they can hear. Yeah, thank you. Um, actually, we're getting ready to uh, launch season two here next month. Oh, so, nice. you know, as I mentioned. Um, or actually, I didn't mention, after the Peace Corps, I actually moved to China for two years. And uh, it was a phenomenal experience. You know, I saw Black people there from, from all parts of the world. They had businesses, they were going to school, contributing to the uh, Chinese community culturally, economically. It was just so amazing to see. And so when I got back, I said, you know, these stories need to be told. These stories can inspire other Black people, other young Black people 
to see themselves out in the world and to take a chance and go live in a China, go live in a Japan, go live in a Thailand. And so I started the podcast called The Buddy Pass with a friend of mine who I actually met in China. And it's a podcast about Black people that have sort of left the American dream behind. They've been frustrated either with American racism or discrimination, or they have become, uh, you know, sort of dissatisfied, if you will, with the American rat race. And so they are taking their lives and they're moving abroad and, and they're starting businesses, they're creating families. And it has been amazing, some of the stories uh, that we've been able to tell and, and the reception that we've gotten from a lot of listeners has been uh, phenomenal. So we just want to continue to highlight these stories and, and continue to inspire more people to sort of think of themselves within a global context. Um, and so we're launching the podcast here next January, uh, I'm sorry, next month. Mm. And it's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And then folks can also check us out on Instagram at Your Travel Teachers, uh, which is the overall brand of, of this idea of what it's like to be uh, black and ambitious, if you will, in the greater world. Love it. Listen, we'll definitely promote that in the info for this episode. And it's wonderful hearing about both the things you're, you're working on. Keep up the good work. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. And like Leroy said, all the places you get podcasts, you can find The Zag here as well. We've also recently rebranded with a new NLC colors and logo, all that good stuff. You can check us out on Instagram at The Zag Podcast. Make sure to follow us to catch up on all the episodes that have been launched previously and that will be coming up in the future. So until next time, we'll catch you soon.